And here we go, here we go! Raider Nation. Raider Nation. Welcome to the Silver and Black Hack Podcast. Your home for the most real Raiders takes, predictive stats, and advanced analytics. We bleed silver and black. Here are your hosts, Raider Heart and Raspy Raider. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to the Silver and Black Hack Podcast. I'm your host, Raider Hart, and we're here to talk Raiders-Broncos today in a big-time must-win matchup at 0-3 coming up on Saturday, or on Sunday, rather. And the Raiders at 0-3, you know, if they have any intentions of seriously entertaining any playoff chances at the end of the season, this is an absolute must-win. And we're going to talk about it today. Uh, what the Raiders need to do to win, some troubling trends that I see that the Raiders need to fix if they want any chance of turning this thing around. And we got Raspy Raider back once again, and we're going to, of course, you know, go with our very popular Ask Raspy segment. We have a couple extra questions to squeeze in today. There's a lot of concern out there, obviously, with uh, the 0-3 start from from the Raiders. So a lot to go over today. Raspy, I mean, 0-3, the Broncos coming into town, the Josh McDaniels connection with the with the Broncos and all the, the other stuff that goes with that. And obviously, the Broncos can pretty much deal a, a, an early KO to the Raiders season. Where, where's your head at with the, the hated division rivals coming into town? Well, you're not you're not wrong there, man, because that would be a straight up haymaker, you know, a day or two into the month of October, man. Are we kidding? Are we serious here, man? This is what's this is what's at stake right now. The Broncos given a chance to punch us in the mouth and set us pretty much back for the entire season as if we're not already ahead of the game, you know, ourselves with the way we've started. But yeah, the fact that we're even given this team at this point, this opportunity is disgusting, man. I mean, 0-4 facing the prospects of traveling to Arrowhead Stadium next um, with absolutely everything on the line. I mean, it's this is an this this is as close as you can get to an elimination game. I don't know, you know, this early in the season. I know that that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it really is because we all know about the track record of going into Arrowhead, even though they don't look quite what they, you know, what they normally look like either. And and the Broncos look like a very beatable team coming in, but the Raiders, you know, the way that they play right now or that the way that they're playing right now, you know, I was just kind of talking to Raspy off the air. It just doesn't seem Raspy. It's a really weird thing. It just doesn't seem to matter who the Raiders play. They just seemed, it just, it, it, they just sort of play the same sort of an uninspired football and make the same sort of mistakes week after week. I mean, how do you assess something like that as a fan? Well, unless it's to the Chiefs, which actually right. takes all those stats and compiles them by 10 because we seem to lose by 40 to 50 points to these guys every time we try to strut out there and even attempt to form some semblance of an offense. So, yeah, it doesn't look good, man. You go – you find a way to lose this game against the Donkeys, man. Um, let's just say 0-5 is for sure in the cards. You find a way to win this, maybe build some momentum and have an opportunity to at least give Kansas City, like you said, a team who just 
you know, came off a, a rough loss, man. They they contained them. That Gus Bradley defensive attack, man, that we had last year, we really didn't want to let go of. Let's let's be honest, man. Flat out held Patrick Mahomes down a little bit, you know, so or a lot for that matter. But yeah, you lose this game, man. Trying to have to go mess with Kansas City after what our track record is with them since Mahomes has been there. And even before that, it's not good. So Yep, this is it, man. I mean, you're talking about the possibility of being out of this con- this whole season come three, four weeks in. Man, it's a tough one to swallow, brother. This could very well, Raspy, be – the more I think about it, I think it absolutely – this is the biggest game of Derek Carr's career. I mean, this is in terms of his – I mean, it doesn't compare to the playoff start against the Bengals and stuff like that in terms of, you know, importance or even the, the, the Chargers game to get into the playoffs at the end of last season. But in terms of whether or not he's going to remain the quarterback here going forward, 0-5 is going to – that could potentially, you know, have the scouts, you know, attending games on, on Saturday – this is what I was thinking at the open. I was thinking about some college football games. But this is the type of thing, if they lose on Sunday, Ziegler and they might start attending and, and watching some of these college quarterbacks out here. And they may start looking towards the future. I don't think Derek Carr would ever get benched as long as he's healthy this year. And he's not going to be traded. I saw that there you know, there were some people asking after the last game. We had a couple people on our mentions asking if we thought that they were going to trade Derek Carr. There's even a rumor going around this week. That's not happening because of the they just signed him to a new deal and he has a no trade clause for this season. So that's not going to happen, but Raspy, I mean, 0 and 5 with a new regime, a Patriots regime with a, a very deep and rich quarterback class according to, you know, just about every scout out there. Where do you, where does this rank on the the list of Derek Carr's most most important games in his Raider tenure uh in terms of this game coming up on Sunday? Well, I'm with you on that, man. I mean, it, it's it's got to be right up there, even with comparable to the games that you mentioned, you know, the aforementioned games from last year. I mean, you're talking about being four weeks into a 17-game season, and, and it's going to be like bailout time, like it's over. What quarterback can you think that has been on the team and has been formidable in this league at all has ever started out 0-5, man? I mean – Aaron Rodgers lost the first game of, you know, not only this year, but the la- I remember last year, I think the Saints just beat the brakes off him and everybody was like the world was ending. Imagine if they'd have went 0-3, 0-4. I mean, come on, man. And I know I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers, but we're all, let's not, let's not get it twisted, nation. Everybody, outsiders, us, he's supposed to be that guy. Maybe not Aaron Rodgers, but he's supposed to be – you know, up in that upper echelon type of quarterback. And we're not seeing that right now. And, yeah, I think you're right. I think they will start. You'll, you'll see that scout uh, team out there working their tails off, trying to figure out what's going on if, if it continues to go this way. And sorry to maybe burst a few bubbles, man, but even without a no-trade clause, I don't think anybody wanted to tr- was would be wanting to trade for Carr right now with the way he's underperformed. So, it's bad. It's bad on all fronts, man. I'm not trying to just bail, you know, 0-3. Yeah, I'm just bailing. No, that's not it, man. This was supposed to be a season 
unlike any other season Clark's had as far as the weaponry and what we have built around him and the confidence that we have shown in him and the money we've invested. And this, there ain't one person in Raider Nation that expected it to go this way. So I don't even think outside of Raider Nation anybody expected it to go this way. So it's bad. And, yes, this is a this is a vastly, vastly important game for him for his future. I'm sorry. It is, man. You go 0-4 and, and then have to roll into Arrowhead. Yeah, man, it's not good. We're 0-3 in this, you know, in this season. And Hart brought it up to me the other day, and it made me sick. So we're 0-3. And the, and the three teams that have beat us were the only win that each one of those teams has. So the combined record of the teams that have beat us is 3-6. and six. Their only wins out of three games out of all three of our opponents were against us. That's sad, bro. That is when he told me that I was like, "Damn, I knew it was bad, but it's really bad." Holy cow, man. With Derek Carr, I mean, it's just what you said though. It's it's not, you know, no, he's not Aaron Rodgers. No, he's not Tom Brady, Mahomes or any of those guys, but that doesn't matter here. He doesn't have to be those guys. The bottom line is a new regime came in, a regime that's used to winning football, consistent, sustainable, long-term winning football, championship football, and they're coming in here and they they built it like like Raspy just said, they built around Derek Carr. Derek Carr was the centerpiece. You're not bringing in Adams and bringing in all these different guys, Mac Hollins it even turns out they brought with him you know, they brought him in from the outside and, you know, you don't supply that kind of weaponry on offense unless you're building around the quarterback. And, you know, these salaries, all these extensions, they were all linked to the quarterback outside of Max Crosby. So they went all in. And if you prove in their first time going all in, this is their first impression. This would send a very strong message that, okay, we went all in around this guy and he failed miserably. So this would be a, a very, a very, this is a very important game for Derek Carr. He's got to win this football game, really the Arrowhead game, because to win this game and get blown out at Arrowhead would probably send a very similar message anyway. So he's really played himself against, you know, against the wall here, at this back against the wall. And before we get any further, though, Raspy, I do want to kind of pump the brakes a minute and go back to, um, uh, well, one thing is I, I want to make sure to remind everybody, you can find us on social media. Um, a lot of the discussion is on Twitter these days, especially after the games. It's really hot on Twitter, uh, Twitter spaces, that kind of thing. You can find us out there um, anytime, but especially after the games on Twitter at silver underscore hack. And you can also find us if you just like to do the podcast thing, you're not big on the social media. We got you covered there, obviously, as well. And you can find us on any of your major podcast providers out there. So uh, make sure to like, share, and subscribe, spread the word, and keep your notifications on because this is the type of game coming up this weekend that win or lose, there's going to be a whole lot to talk about uh, regardless one way or the other after this game and all of next week as well. So I uh, didn't want to get too far ahead of ourselves before we remind everybody about that, Raspy. And also, we don't want to get too much further into this thing, Raspy, before we talk about you know, we're far enough into the season where the injury report is, you know, going to start playing a bigger and bigger factor every week. Raiders have some interesting uh, news on the injury report as of Friday here. And one of the most interesting things to me, Raspy, right off the top is that 
I was sure Nate Hobbs was out for this week. I mean, he had the concussion last weekend. He had the red practice, the no-contact jersey on early this week, so you know that he was still dealing with the after-effects of the concussion. But suddenly here late in the week, he's got a regular jersey, the, the regular black shirt on, and he was a full practice today, so clearly he's out of the concussion protocol, so that's a major win. And another guy who's been in the concussion protocol that's made progress and is back in full capacity, at least on the practice field, looks like he's ready to go, is Andre James. Um, that's going to be big. And then Denzel Perryman is back as well. So those guys look like they're back, so that's huge. The guys who are out, Nation, uh, Renfro, still out with that concussion. That's starting to be a little bit of a concern there. Foster Moreau, who I don't really remember when he got banged up in the game, but he's going to be out, it looks like, this week. And then Rakia Sin and, uh, and Webb at cornerback, both are questionable to play. Rakia Sin had the knee strain that there was a little bit of concern, Raspy, during the game when he wasn't able to come back. That's usually not a good sign when you're dealing with knees. But he's progressed during the week and was able to do some practicing as well. I'm, I have a gut feeling that Rock may try to go but I'll just pass it to you from the, the injury news on that front, Raspy. What, what's your, what, what are your thoughts? What stands out to you? Well, man, and I, I'm sure I'm not the only one thinking this, you know, when it comes to the pro, you know, the protocols, when it comes to concussions, man, we all saw last night what happened with Tua and man, oh. we all saw what happened to Tua and nothing but thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family and, and that kind of thing, that looked bad. That was scary, man. And let's be honest, folks, they're calling the week before against Buffalo was like a back injury is what caused him to, you know, right. fall all over himself after that hit. That wasn't it, man. He was concussed. I think anybody in their right mind, if they look back at that and watch how that, you know, transpired, that was a concussion, man. He probably should not have been out there. So I hope for Nate's sake, you know, meaning Nate Hobbs, that they're doing their due diligence. I'm sure they are, but we always think that. And then you see stuff that just happened, you know, within 24 hours of when we're recording right now where it's a little dicey, man. I mean, Renfro's still out, you know, but yet Nate might have suffered a concussion, but he's back in. That scares me. I don't want to ruin anybody. I don't want anybody to get hurt or to have any prolonged, I mean, let's face it, you're going to have prolonged, you know, suffrage from playing in the NFL. It's a it's a man's game. It's a hard-hitting game. No disrespect to anybody in any way, shape, or form. But it's a tough game, and it's a physical game. So out of all that stuff I hear, that's what kind of gets me first. Is It's like a guy that might have had a concussion and was in the protocols. All of a sudden, he's ready to go. I don't know. I, you know, I'm going to trust that we're going to learn from some of the mistakes from another NFL team, and we're not going to do those kinds of things. Um, Andre James coming back would be fantastic. Not to say that he is yet. I hope so. We'll see. But I, I love the progression there because Lord knows this offensive line needs as much stability as we can get. Um, Perryman coming back, man. What a What a breath of fresh air that will be to see him thumping in the middle and doing his thing, man, because not only just thumping, but being able to show us like he did last year, how much better he is against, you know, the pass and his coverage skills just flat out got better and better all year long. So I'm not sweating him there. I'm not even going to go there with him, but uh, 
yeah, man, it's it's crazy. I, I thought Hunter would be good to go. I figured Renfro would be out there at full speed. That is, like you said, you know, a little bit of cause for concern right there. But but get him right. Make sure he's good. Like I said, I do not want to ruin anybody out here by any means, let alone, you know, just put somebody's life at risk is more, you know what I mean, is what we're talking about here. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, um, I hope that Rock's out there ready to go. If Nate is indeed going to be out there, which is what it's looking like, which I was really surprised by, let's just let's just hope that uh, you know God will keep him safe and keep him protected during that game, so there's no other uh, you know shots to the dome, man. Because your brain needs time to heal, and if you don't give it the proper time, man, brain doesn't feel pain, but it it, it does need to heal though. Just because your brain doesn't feel the pain doesn't mean it doesn't need time to heal. So be very cautious and be careful, man. I mean, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see how that goes. It's just I I had to touch on that because it's just been such a big deal. And watching him last night get carted off and watching his fingers and everything just go bananas. It was that was scary, dude. That was scary. So Yeah, it was. It was definitely um I hope that the Raiders medical staff has improved from, you know, some of the mistakes that they've made with players in the past. We won't rehash any of that, yeah, but uh, they've been there. You ain't kidding. They've been there. I can think of a couple of them right offhand, but you're right. I hope that that is improved. Yeah. So we hope that that's improved. Uh, Andre James, you know, you move Donald Parham back. Assume, you know, I'm assuming they move him back to right guard. That could be big. But Perriman, man, the Broncos' biggest threat is their running game, and yep. there's no bigger time to get him back. Um, don't fear. I told you guys about Russell Wilson. Now he'll probably light us up, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But I told you guys about Russell Wilson. Coaches do not let franchise quarterbacks that still have game get away, and they surely don't do it when they don't have a replacement in the building. So we, we, we've been reluctant to do that with Derek Carr, but they've been, you know, Pete Carroll's just been wanting to give Russell Wilson away. The Broncos should have, should have known better. And, you know, let's get into that matchup a little bit more. Well, first, we kind of have to deal with one thing. We had a couple extra questions, and this is something that's been really big with Raider Nation. It does tie into the game, too, so it's not a, you know, we're not going on a little side tangent here. It does directly relate to the game. This question comes from Vic Galavez. I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. Forgive me if I didn't. But Vic wanted to know, basically, he just wanted us to talk about the uh, the Dan Orlovsky Derek Carr controversy uh, that a lot of you guys just about all you guys know what what we're talking about here the ESPN segment where Dan broke down you know some of the mystery the times where Derek Carr was missing Devonte Adams in the game on Sunday and you know it was very clear that that we were seeing a lot of two deep safety looks and. Josh McDaniels was drawing up the plays to put Devontae Adams directly into the weaknesses in those coverages. And Dan Orlowski was showing very clearly on multiple occasions where Adams was in the right place against the right defense at the right time. And Derek Carr and was wide open in those instances. And Derek Carr was not even looking his way. And Raspy, I don't agree with, with this part of it. I mean, the clips speak for themselves. I can't, it, it is what it is there. The, the, these were egregious misses. But he went as far as to say that Derek Carr was was icing out Devontae Adams, that it, he couldn't have been missing this 
because he was missing it, he, that it's so obvious that it's so fundamental that these are the areas that are always going to be open against these coverages that every quarterback should know. And not only that, but, you know, McDaniels, who a lot of us have been wanting to blame, was putting Devontae Adams, the best weapon in the league, directly into the weak points of the coverage at the right spots. And Derek Carr was not looking that way. I don't, I don't go as far as to say that he was doing it on purpose, Raspy, but either way you break it down, man, what did you think of the Dan Orlovsky um, segment on ESPN? And it did, that particular segment, even as a car guy like myself, Raspy, did not look good at all for, for my guy, Derek Carr. Well, and if, if we're even thinking for a second like he is, that he would be doing this on purpose, I don't know what purpose that would ever serve for him. No, I don't so buy that. I don't think that that's it by any means. But what I do get out of that is just lack of recognition and processing, going through your progressions, knowing that you have a guy with that type of ability that wants it in the double, triple team anytime, throw me the damn ball. The fact that you would be overlooking him in any situation, let alone in certain, you know, situational downs where it's like, you know, you could see it. If you don't believe it, run back. He Orlovsky wasn't just saying this. He was backing it up with film. So take a look at it. There are crucial times where things were wide open and he is not seeing him. And what better guy to get it to on the quick twitch, man, when things go wrong than your big boy Tay Adams 15, man. Give him the damn ball and let him go to work. So we've been stressing this since week one. We saw a decent dose of it, but it looked forced even in week one. So, I mean, I think he had, what, 17 targets? For 10 catches, I mean, he had a hell of a game still, but there were seven targets, and uh, some of those were just off target. It just doesn't look right. I don't I don't know exactly what the hell's going on there because I'm not going to sit here for a second and act like these guys can't get some, you know, cohesiveness going on. They've been throwing to each other for years. I mean, come on. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to get into that. That's just stupid. But there's something to be said, man, that he's just not seeing it. So that is a huge, huge problem. And Vic, I'm glad you said something about that too, because there's not a lot of times where they're going to give us, you know, four to five minute breakdown on ESPN and Orlovsky's going to tell you exactly what he thinks is going on. And, you know, a lot of people can shake their head at Orlovsky. Oh, he's a backup, career backup. But he played in the NFL, man. He knows how to read defenses. He knows the X's and O's. He knows like Hart and I were talking, he knows if he comes out into a, you know, and he looks up and they're in a cover two, you know, whether he doesn't know that they're going to run a variation, but he knows what set they're in. So he knows where the first read should go. And if it's not there, he knows where the second read should go. Dude, this stuff from team to team, it's not like it's that much different. There's variations that teams run, but a lot of this stuff just, the more things change, the more they stay the same in the NFL. There's certain stuff you can and can't do. And when a team is running a certain defense, you know that pre-snap. So, yeah, it's a problem, man. I mean, it's a freaking huge problem. When you got an analyst thinking that he could possibly do be doing this on purpose, that right there should grab your attention and put us all on notice right now that it literally looked that bad. Well, let me explain why I believe he said that, because 
he was stressing during the video that the 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 way he was missing Adams as his first read, you know, when he was getting certain looks, he was just stressing through the video that this is day one stuff for a quarterback that he stressed it multiple times that even if Devontae Adams wasn't even on the team, that whoever the receiver was in his spot, that should have been his first read. If you're at the park playing with strangers 11 on 11 and they drop into two safeties, then the guy in that – the stranger in that spot where Adams was would be his first read. So he, the reason why he's saying that he, in his mind he's wondering if it's on purpose is because it's such a fundamental thing that no matter – College quarterbacks know this. High school quarterbacks know this. When they, when the safeties rotate this way, th this is your first read. These are the windows that are that you should look to first. And then after, and then the other part of it is that he's a Derek Carr fan, so he doesn't think like he he believes in Derek Carr, so he's putting it two and two in his head. Derek Carr is a good quarterback. I believe in Derek Carr, and these are reads that a high school quarterback would be making. And he has Devonte Adams. In, the, in that spot, like the best weapon in the league in those – like there's no reason in his mind that he would be missing Devontae Adams of all people in those situations. And, you know, it even went further because it was such a controversy, Vic, that Derek Carr eventually had to answer for that. And I think it was the next day's press conference he was asked about that clip because it went viral on Raiders, on NFL, you know, social media and stuff. He basically said that he's just going with where he's going where the, the um, Josh McDaniels wants him to go with the football. He's basically trying to pass the buck. That didn't sit right with me, Raspy. And then McDaniels was asked about it directly after that, and he basically, in a way, some people are looking at it like he was pushing back on what Carr said, and he said that Devontae is always the first or second read. So that doesn't make sense if you're if Carr is saying that I'm going where McDaniels wants me to go with the football and then McDaniels saying, I want him to go to Devontae Adams. That's his first read and Carr's not going there. I, is this a Did sign of trouble your... early on, Raspy? Yes, and now I'm like, now I'm getting fired up, dude, because this is the the BS that Carr throws out there, man. Don't start throwing it at the coach, bro. You're the one with the damn ball in your hand. Devontae Adams, I don't care in what system, what situation, anything that dude is the guy who catches the ball better than 99.9 percent .9 of the other people in the league so that's the guy you go to car cut it with the bs excuses man this is nonsense you're gonna start to cause you know just division from the and it looks like it's maybe already happened you know there's a lot of pissed off players because there's a hell of a lot of pissed off fans and, and obviously analysts in the league that see the capability of this team and see all the weaponry on this team, but it is not coming to fruition and it's not coming to fruition early and often. And it looks bad. It's that bad, dude. And I'm sorry, man. I am so pissed off at car right now that I could snap my own neck right here back. Uh, <laughs> some of the stuff that I saw this guy do. It's just blasphemous, bro. <laughs> And because last week he didn't throw any picks, well, actually, yes, he did, but it was on a tip ball. I get it. But because last week he had a, you know, semi-functional day, we're going to give him a little pat on the butt and say, well, it wasn't Carr's fault. He's the guy with the ball in his hand, and he has all these weapons, dude. Bottom line, okay, Waller just dumped himself last, last week. Looked like garbage. How many targets did Devontae have? You know, it's 
This is total nonsense. Throw the damn ball to the guy you just paid $150 million to. And then if that's the case and it doesn't work, then at least nobody's going to tell you that. But don't sit here and say you're throwing the ball where McDaniels wants you to when Orlovsky's breaking it down on tape, showing you how Devontae is open on these plays and is the best place to go and your first or second progression. I'm getting very, very tired of Carr's lackluster responses when it comes to just stuff that correlates to us winning football games that he is not doing and falling very, very short on. Dude, speaking of freaking short, he's I have a very short fuse when it comes to this guy right now. He's starting to piss me off. Your completion percentage was something we could always bank on, bro. That is down 10-plus percentage points. You look scared out there. You look hesitant. It's really, really bringing me back to the year, the year 2017 where I felt like you came out and you played scared as hell. Now, I have no idea why because you're not coming off an injury and you have a ton of weapons that can go out there and help you win. Now, I get it. It's not always going to work, dude. We don't expect you to win every freaking game. We don't expect you to win every play. But we damn sure expect you to go through your progressions and read the first guy there, especially when it's a guy like Devontae. Oh, man. I'm sorry, man. struck a nerve, bro. I about went through the roof, man. Well, this is the problem with bringing in Devontae Adams. If, if Derek, you know... I'm speaking to Derek Carr right now. This is the issue. Now you're going to have the national spotlight. You brought him in. We just can't have this anymore. No. I've, I've backed you. I'm still backing you. But you bring in Devontae Adams. This is the guy that you wanted. The, the new regime accommodated you and brought in your best friend from college, who's also the best weapon in the league. They re-signed your, your tight end. They re-signed your, your comfort blanket and the slot receiver and Hunter Renfro. They, they even added a cherry on top with Mac Hollins, a surprise weapon that you we weren't even a surprise gift under the Christmas tree that you weren't even expecting. And it still doesn't look any different. And this goes right into some of my keys to victory, Raspy, because this this dovetails directly into it. And it, this is part of my my issue. The Raiders do not have an identity, man. The, like, what do the Raiders do well? What do they what can you rest your hat on? Because it was supposed to be this. It was supposed to be the passing game. It was supposed to be especially Derek Carr to Devontae, Derek Carr to Waller that looks broken right now. Derek Carr to Renfro that hasn't been special for going back to the end of last season. I just don't understand. And this is one metric that I saw. I was looking at some of the data, Raspy, and this is this really kind of showcases how upside down this Raiders attack is, man. And we have some we have a question later on that plays into this a little bit, but in a different way. Mac Hollins, who's been probably the surprise of the league for me so far, based off what was expected. Right now, Raspy, Mac Hollins is first in the NFL in EPA per target. Devontae Adams is 52nd in the same stat. I just don't know how to make heads or tails of, of, of that, especially when you look at, you know, the Raiders also, they have to run the ball more too. When, when you're looking at this, the Raiders, how do you have a stat where Devontae Adams is not getting involved like he you would expect and then when he is his impact per play is 52nd epa per target how can you have that be true and also the fact that the raiders have the fewest rush attempts in the nfl so far through three games how do how do both because you would think that if 
Devontae's production has been down a little bit, then the Raiders must be getting off running the ball and, and doing that. And they're not doing that. And even weirder, Josh Jacobs looks like he's ready to do that work. How do you how do you make heads or tails of some of these, these numbers you, right now? You don't, because the fact is, man, is like Jacobs is averaging like five yards per. I mean, what more could you ask of this young buck who's got denied his you know, fifth year option and is over here trying to show everybody that they're wrong for not giving him that. And I'm telling you right now, he keeps this up, dude, and you're only giving him 10, 12 carries a game, bro. Somebody is going to be oh so happy to take a running back of his caliber with the resurgence that he's shown. If he continues to show what he's doing on, on, a, on a, on a real week, you know, workload, they're going to be oh so happy to take that guy. This is BS dude. We, We've gotten ourselves in positions, man, and not even really got ourselves. We've just chose to just, like, abandon the run when – if there was any ever a time to just bury a team with the run, it would have been against the Arizona Cardinals when you took a 20 to nothing halftime lead, correct? Absolutely. We didn't do it. And then the next week, Tennessee, and, you know – the first half was crap. I understand. I, I could see, at least I can understand why you're not like leaning on the run game heavy there. But the thing was, as slow as that pace of that game was, you could have and you probably should have. That's another thing I don't understand, man, because McDaniels comes from that, you know, that tree where it's like you run the ball, you, th you, you throw timing routes, you know, you keep the offense on time, you know. Those metrics mean a lot because that's how you. That's how you win. Keep your offense on time. Yeah, I don't get it, man. It's perplexing as hell. I, I do not get it because, like you said, to see Devontae that low, you know, when Hollins is number one in the league, could you imagine if we were actually getting the ball to Adams, bro, and they were like one and two in the league or one and three, one and four, five in the I mean, come on, man. It's like we got a dude who just came out of freaking left field and is just flat out giving you everything you want and then some, and your big dogs ain't making the plays because you're, you're not getting the ball to them. That's what's so bizarre about that, that stat is that even if you switch them around, Raspy, even if you took Adams and you would expect him to be first in EPA per, per target, yeah. I'm sure he's been a fixture as a top 10, top five guy, you know, with Rodgers every year in those metrics. And then you figure Carr's going to force it to him or their chemistry from college. So that would have been expected. But even if you had Mac Hollins sitting at 52nd in EPA per target, that would have been a huge surprise still. That would have been still yeah. such a huge, where does this guy come from? Because 50 seconds sounds low, but for a guy who's emerging from another team that nobody knew, like, you know, we didn't even know when we first brought him in, whether he was even going to make the final 53. We thought maybe he's a camp body or something like that just to get some reps in training camp. But even 52nd for Matt Collins would have been a huge breakout impact guy, but it's reversed. So it's just so bizarre. And then the lack of running the football, I just don't understand it, you know, at, at, especially, you, you, like you said, Jacobs looks as slippery and as elusive and as running as hard as he has since his rookie season. This is what we've been asking for, me especially being so hard on him his second and third years, you know, and well, the last half of his third year, he was very good leading us into the playoffs. He was actually as impactful as anybody during our playoff run to get us there. So yeah. he's really flipped a switch since then. 
So I just don't understand it. This is an identity crisis that raspy that this Raiders team has. But you know what isn't? Do you have something to say real quick? Yeah, we're like looking for like pronouns to call this team at this point. I don't get it, man. It blows my freaking mind. Oh my gosh. I, I don't even know what to say. I had a really good point, man. And I and I'm like losing it now just because I'm so freaking frustrated. Um Sorry, I just I kind of got derailed there for a second. Uh, I had something and now I'm just I'm blanking because I'm so freaking frustrated at this point, dude. I, I do not understand any of this. Well, you know what? I'll give you some time to, to think about it and you can circle back if you remember. But you know what else is blank and what continues to blank and what isn't part of the Raiders identity crisis, unfortunately, is there the blanks that they continue to fire in the red zone? And unfortunately, that is a part of the Raiders' identity. It's, your identity could – it's not just what you want to be. It's not just the, the traits that you want. If you're lazy or, you know, if you have bad traits, that's part of your identity too until you until you change it. And Raspy, this is how big this, this has become, right? The Raiders, again, you know, on offense, they rank 26th in the red zone. And, you know, that's obviously bad. But how big of a deal is that really, right? I mean, how do you really quantify that? And I'll tell you how right now. Raiders are 0-3. And as Raspy mentioned at the, uh, you know, a little bit ago, earlier in the, in the show, that we're 0-3 and the three teams that we've lost to have only beaten us. So it's even worse. And I'll go even further as to why this is so bad. Raiders are 26 in the red zone. We've lost back-to-back games to the Titans and the Cards, right? So how big how big is it? Raiders 26 in the red zone, Titans first, Cards eighth. That's the only reason why we were 0-3, guys. That's the only reason why we lost to those two teams. They cash in their, their red zone opportunities, and the Raiders play Steve Young football, where, where Steve Young was, you know, talking about every time you settle for a field goal, you're that much closer to losing. I saw I, I saw somewhere where I think Josh McDaniels has another term for that, where it's plus, it's plus four football, where every time that you're kicking a field goal, that's your, it's plus four points that you're, that you're leaving on the board, that you're yep. leaving on the grass. I just so it. it came back. Wh- I got it. What? Sorry, guys. So sorry, Nation. So frustrated and so wound up. We have had, through three games, seven seven different offensive line combinations. We don't know what in the hell we're doing off on the offensive line, man. Seven different rotations in three games. Somebody's there's, figured this out, though. There's teams that have had zero. But what I'm saying is... How do you help a struggling offensive line where we can't figure out who in the hell is going to help us? And we've been sacked eight to ten times or whatever in the first three weeks. How do you do what, what would you say? And you know, what would you say? What would help that out? Well, I, I agree with you, but there's run an the answer to that. You know, it's well, like run well, the damn ball. It's like if you're gonna help out this dysfunctional offensive line that we cannot seem to get a beat on, and you got seven different rotations in a matter of three games, dude. There's teams, I'd say the majority, and I wish I knew this number off the, you know, right now off the jump, but I can bet you there's 20 teams in the NFL outside of injuries that have had zero rotations other than their starting five. We've had seven in three games. We don't know who is out there doing this. 
but, but there's an answer. There's a somebody figured out why they've done this before with the Patriots. They they do this at times in the first quarter of the season. They rotate their offensive line. They've done that before. So there's some, I don't know, they, there's some method to their madness. And obviously, McDaniels like brought that. I don't like it either, but they've done this before. This isn't something where I thought that they just didn't know what they were doing, too. But there's some, we may not like it, we may not agree with it, but there's something else that they're looking at. I don't know if they're just looking at chemistry or somebody asked earlier that maybe they're they're trying to get the younger guys experience who know i mean it could be any of that stuff but they have done this before and they did this with belichick as well so i just thought that that was worth mentioning but um they could you know run the ball more the run blocking hasn't been very good either that's why jacobs has had to look like barry sanders jr out there sometimes with the elusiveness but but i think a lot of it is because it's been so sporadic i mean if you commit to something like you said we have dictated and zero way shape or form on any one statistical category man if nothing else just go go run heavy why not we're losing any damn way go run heavy and see what that does for you if it doesn't work well then you know what shift out of it and, and start throwing the ball but we've yet to commit to anything wholeheartedly that no wonder we haven't established or dictated in any way shape or form it's gotten to the point, dude, like three games in, it's pathetic. It is bad. I mean, it really, it is bad. I don't know if running the ball heavy against Denver is the right approach with the I'm run defense. I'm not necessarily is, but do something and do it well. And I don't, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't think Denver's, Denver hasn't played anybody, dude. They ain't played nobody yet, man. So I'm not saying that we've been against prolific offenses in this league either, but we did play a healthy freaking Justin Herbert week one, and we still should have won that game. We played a plenty healthy Kyler Murray, and then boys should have probably won that game too, whatever, if ifs and buts or candy and They were not man. healthy, though. They don't even have D-hop, so they well, were they not even D-hop, healthy. But that's not because of health. He's suspended. So I'm just saying. I know, like, but they're, they're not I'm just whole, saying though. it's like they're – but they're, they're, their quarterbacks were healthy. Tannehill was healthy. Kyler Murray was healthy. Freaking – you know, Herbert was healthy. So I'm just saying in each in each and every one of those games, our run, our run offense was not bad. It just wasn't gone to. We, we didn't lean on it at all. And if there was ever a game that we should have, it should have been that second game. And we didn't even do it in that. No, I agree with that, but I just don't think this is the week to do it. It's because of what you just said. Denver hasn't played any good quarterbacks, but they have played good running teams, and they shut the Niners can run on anybody, and they shut that down. So I just don't. They when they had the the chance to pick their spots at the run game, they didn't do it. I don't want them to abandon it by any means. But Jimmy Garoppolo just, looked like a shell of himself, though, too. So their pass game was nothing to be. You know, no wonder they were able to just aim heavy on the freaking run game. Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't complete a pass. It was ridiculous. Wait, I'll, just ask you, I'll just ask you right here. Do you think that running the ball 35 times with Jacobs beats the Broncos on Sunday? No, but I wouldn't, I, don't. Run it 30, I wouldn't run it 35 I wouldn't even times. run it 20 I'm times. I'm saying Denver, if, if that's what they want. Get, he should get every bit of 15 carries, and you have to go win this game by throwing the ball too. But it has to be balanced because if not, you're going to make yourself look stupid and you're going to become one-dimensional, and they're going to sit back in that soft-ass zone, and they're going to run Derek. They're going to make Derek Carr look freaking foolish and make him pucker yet again. So you have yeah, to at least keep them honest, man, and show them that, hey, we will check down and run the damn ball. 
But the problem with that is, is that that's about the number of carries that Jacobs has been getting, and it hasn't been enough. I don't know if this is the week that, to me, this is the week that the strength of the team, the, the way that they built the team is supposed to carry you. The, our backs are against the wall. We're at home, and we have our hated rivals coming in with everything, all the money in Vegas on the line. This is the week that Carr, Adams, Waller. That it, it, it's time. If we're four, if we're going to be four weeks in, and that's still not the anything that we can, our strength is still not something that we can rely on to win these games, especially in these moments. And I, you know, just to circle back to the red zone, you know, offensively, I just expressed how important it is. But this also is with defense too. I don't know what it is with this team, Raspy. Red zone is a, such an issue on both sides of the ball. As much as we loved Bradley's defense last year, they were atrocious in the red zone. And yeah. so far, so far it's no better. And on defense, you know, Denver has scored only one touchdown on seven red zone trips this year. They're, they're, their red zone offense is even worse than ours, as hard as that is to even imagine, but it has been. But the problem, Raspy, is that the Raiders' defense has allowed eight out of ten opponent drives into the red zone to be to, to be cashed in for six. That's 80%. What is up with the Raiders in the red zone on defense to like, what is it? You can't be this bad on in the red zone on both sides of the ball. You just can't. And if that's that, that's one of those, something's got to give raspy. The Broncos don't score in the red zone and the Raiders give up everything. The Raiders defense has to win that matchup on Sunday. I'm sure you agree on that. I couldn't agree more, man. And I think when you're in those, you know, when you're in, when, when you land in those percentiles, whether, you know, when you're in the bottom of the league, what more do you have to lose, man? Send some pressure, drop some, drop some different things and come out of your shell a little bit and do things differently, man. Put some pressure on, you know, on these quarterbacks. I, I do not understand if you're just going to like pretty much, you know, allay these guys to a first, you know, and goal or touchdowns on every other play in the red zone, then you might as well just be sent in the house. You might as well go all out and just hope for something good to happen in the backfield. But this comes down to having no type of pressure other than Mad Max. It's, I mean, we can, we, we know right where to go with this. He needs help, man, period. So, I think Perryman will be a big help because he'll just be that guy on that on the second level to kind of help you. Is is Merrick going to play this week? We I haven't seen. I haven't seen. Any I know they've been him. real. They've been real quiet about that. I know he kind of you know he was he was part of warmups last week and then decided they decided he wasn't going to go. Man, I hope he'll be in there because I think he can you know he can hawk back there and give us a lot more in the safety position right now. Is it's looking sketchy, man. Outside of Deron Harmon, man, I'm sorry, Rod, Roderick, uh, Roderick Team or whatever. I'm, he's not the guy out there, man. He's not supposed. I'd to rather be have there. him than John Abram. I'll tell you that oh, right now. I would, I'd I have would him too, out there. but we already would. But yeah, that's 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 you know besides the point because I don't I don't think he should even be out there. We've talked about that. We gave him a, a little bit of credit in the first game or so, but we saw last week just how utterly pathetic he looked and. You you see the the huge drop off you know from when Mary's not out there with him to help cover him on the back end yeah I, I agree I'd rather have Teamer out there than than Abram too but I would rather see Merrig and you know Harmon out there at least a couple guys that we can trust that will at least try to cover that back end but 
we we can't hang our hats on anything, man, right now. Because like you said, we don't dictate in any way, shape, or form. So we can't hang our hats on any, anything. And uh, if we somehow, some way let Russell Wilson all of a sudden, they've scored three offensive touchdowns in three games. If we don't get if we don't get after these guys and find a way to shut things down, I'm going to lose my mind. But ultimately, it's going to come back to the offense, just like it always does. So, but I can't I can't let the defense. There's there's things that the defense has to do in this game. Oh, absolutely, we won't I agree. win. And I agree. you know, Chan, to me, Chandler Jones. You know, you say Max Crosby needs help. Chandler Jones has sacked Russell Wilson more than any other player has. So That's what it, we banked on it, when he came in here, you know, and then and then we heard Denver got Russell. It was like, well, perfect, man. There's not a quarterback in the league that he sacked more. This is going to be great. He's a Russell Wilson destroyer. Well, <laughs> you better – it's about put up or shut up time, man. We said last week that you needed to put up or shut up. I mean, you're running out of days. You're running out of games here, homie. Everybody is saying that you don't have it anymore. Gosh, that, not, has piss, man. that has to piss him off, dude. And if and if anger and frustration and hard work and determination doesn't make you better on Sundays, then maybe it's time you hang this stuff up, dude. There may be because you can be as angry as you want if you don't have it. I remember watching Muhammad Ali at the end of his career when I was real, real young in elementary school with my dad and, and he wasn't getting, getting, you know, he was still good up until the nineties though. Foreman, you know, had that resurgence, but you know, point is if Chandler Jones doesn't do this week that I'm fully on board where he just doesn't have it, he could want it and all that, all he wants, he's a proven player. So I don't just don't think that he's decided to go to the Raiders and decide to take it easy. If he doesn't do it this week, I just don't think he's got it. And, you know, speaking of, we brought him in, you know, for Russell Wilson, Patrick Graham too, man. This is a Patrick Graham game for me because Patrick Graham, we need to see the Patrick Graham effect. He, the last time he faced Russell Wilson, he sacked Wilson five times or his defense sacked Wilson five times, forced two turn, turnovers and won the game 17 to 12, held him to 12 points. That was back in 2020. And he did it by forcing this is one of the things the Raiders' defense has to do. They He forced Russell Wilson to throw in the middle of the field. He can't do it anymore, guys. This has been a problem for them. This is this is the reason why I believe Pete Carroll was, was willing to let him go. He cannot throw over the middle of the field, and it's been even more pronounced with the Broncos. And they don't have the weapons that he had with the Seahawks. I don't know what anybody was talking about, thinking that he was upgrading his weapons coming to the Broncos. I actually heard that a few times. Oh, yeah. Those people are crazy. DK Metcalf. Yeah. And and you know Lockett. I mean, they don't have any. They don't have a single weapon that's as good as either one of those guys, including well, and Portland. I think Button. the only guy that they had even close to like being a predominant weapon that could go and get physical and take balls was Tim Patrick, and he's out for the season. And I and he was not even on that list no, either. He but didn't I also, compare to those I guys also think that he was their best option, and and he's not even there. So yeah, it's not even it's not even close. Yeah, it's it's not you got to force him to throw the ball over the middle of the field, you know, no more of this soft zone. It just raspy it doesn't make sense to run a soft zone, a bend but don't break defense and then you're you're allowing 80% in the red zone. You got to keep teams out of the red zone, right? 
if, well, if yeah, that's what you're giving up down there, you got to keep them out of the red zone by all means. You can't do Ben, but but don't break if you break. No, you <laughs> that's, again, and that's what you get by playing that soft, over-the-top defense where you have nobody coming down at the receiver, man. They're just going to nickel and dime you to death. We've seen it. This is what's happened. I mean, and Russell, Russell the, the, can still do that too. Yeah, the Chargers did it to us, nickel and dimed us underneath. You know, the the Cardinals did it somewhat, and then they killed us with Kyler just running around like a maniac in the second half. Tannehill did it early in the game and was just throwing underneath Todd Downey freaking routes like we talked about, and they were feasting. That you cannot do that, man. I just want to see some more aggression, like some some press, man. Put guys. On notice, man, don't let everything underneath just bury you and trust your help on the back end. Well, it's hard to trust Abram back there, man. I, no, I can I, understand why they would I have to have it, but I hope, I'm hoping that Abram's not out there. <laughs> and if they want, and if and if Graham keeps running them out there, then he's no better than Paul Gunther or freaking Bradley either. Dude, this guy doesn't cover. I'm sorry, he doesn't. I'd rather play Jonathan Abram as a freaking linebacker than I would as a safety. I would, I would too. I mean, serious. He allowed, a, he allowed a perfect rating last week into That's his coverage, saying. and this I is mean, Ryan Tannehill out here. You're going to so. give up. You're going to give everything up to shoot, bro. Right up your shoot. Come on, man. I mean, if you ever have a perfect passer rating against you, you ought to be ashamed of your damn self. You do. I could go do that. Rats, well, could go, could. I could go do that every Sunday and give you 100%. Hell yeah. I'll run around and try to chase these shifty, fast-ass dudes around and look like trash. I can do that every day. Let's do it. How much you want to pay me? I'm cool with it. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. We, we could do that on any given Sunday, bro. If it's 100% of anything in the wrong direction when you're on the field, you probably shouldn't be out there. You probably shouldn't, and uh, but that really does dovetail in with you. You have to trust the back end, but you have to. The rush has to keep Russell Wilson in the pocket, like they failed to do so many times this year, letting guys get out of the pocket. You got to keep him in the pocket, and you got to force him to throw it across the middle of the field. If you're able to do that for four quarters, and you have to play four quarters, by the way, Raiders, and you got that's probably the number one key. If you don't play four yeah. quarters, you don't win in the NFL. I don't care who you're playing or where you're playing, when you're playing. You're not going to win games like that. But uh, once you get past the obvious stuff, it's sad that we even have to bring that up in the NFL, but we do with the Raiders, unfortunately. But you keep them in the pocket, make them throw across the middle of the field. And then the other thing, this is – more on the offense, you know, there, there have been times, Raspy, where the defense has turned the ball over in critical spots this season, even with their inconsistent play, and the offense just hasn't been able to do it, and I have the numbers to back that up. Listen to this, Raspy. Over the last 19 games, going well back into the Gruden era, the Raiders have scored touchdowns on only 19% of their drives where they're starting in opposing territory – over that stretch, only the New York football giants are worse at 18.2%. The Raiders, Raspy, just have to be, have to be more opportunistic all just all around. I can't believe there's a team that has a worse record, a worse percentage than that. I, when you said that, I was waiting for the next thing out of your mouth to be 
dead last. You know what I mean? I mean it's only 1% over dead last. I, that, and we're talking I mean, Daniel Jones crazy. and the Giants. Yeah, that's crazy, dude. I mean, that is, like, absolutely disgusting. I <laughs> If there is any more of a glaring, you know, number right there as opposed to anything you're ever going to see, man, that is – Terrible. So that means even if you do turn the ball over, your offense does zero with it. We saw I mean, it. We saw it. We saw it last week, man. Harmon picked that all ball, year. took the thing down to the 32. We could have sat on it for three straight downs. We could have kneeled three straight downs and kicked a 58-yarder. Or 50, you know what I mean? He would have probably nailed it. I mean, come on. What are, what are we talking about, dude? No, we commit to just work backwards and punt the ball. Yeah, we do that though. I it did it, it, it. Nation, you know, you watch enough. Same with me. Think about it in your head. Do we ever like? We don't get touchdowns off fumbles or picks or it, it, and even when we do get them, it seems like, oh yeah, that's what it, that's what we needed. That's it. That's what we needed. We're back in this game. Uh, no, what we're punting. Well, you know why? Because we get the ball, right? We get the ball in in opposing territory, and what creeps up? We get in the red zone and can't score. These problems problems compound. It's like a snowball effect. And the red zone issues on both sides of the football, they have a compounding effect that – you talk about keeping inferior teams around. I mean, you can't score when you get the ball down there. And and here's the thing. The Raiders have more red zone trips than anybody in the league, and they they just cannot – they just cannot put the ball in in the end zone. And you're keeping teams hanging around. Lesser teams will hang around. That's exactly what's been happening. When you can't cash in your opportunities, even if you have more of them than your opponent, but they cash theirs in for that extra four points. And then on the other side of the ball, every time that they get down there, they walk in. That's a That's a huge disadvantage. How many times have we talked about that, man, for the last five, six years especially? 20 to 20, we looked outstanding. As soon as we get in the red, dude, it's like just it's a two-wheel drive truck stuck in the mud. You know what I mean? Just spinning tires, you know? I mean, that's how we've been. It's been this way for five, six years. It's been like this the entire – as much as I love him, it's been like – we talked about the numbers. The whole car era. It's been the entire car era. We talked about this on the last show. Basically basically the whole car era. And and that's where I am just – dude, you can can show me big, cool, shiny things, but if you never take me for a ride in them, then it doesn't mean anything. I could look at something all day long. If I can't drive it or get in it and do what it does, well, then what's the point? And that's what it's been. It's been like, oh, 20 to 20, we can just rattle. That's why I said that's what Derek Carr gives you shiny-ass numbers, man. He's done it for years. He had almost 5,000 yards last year. We, dude, we scraped, scratched, clawed, and just did everything we had to do just to even make the playoffs. So all those shiny things, dude, they don't mean anything if you can't actually do something with them. You know, it's it's me, frustrating as hell. And to and me, it's really not all that shiny if you're only throwing for 25, 26 touchdowns. And I love the guy, but his numbers, are, like his yardage and completions are good, but this is a touchdown league and it's just not – 
it's just it it, it really does kind of push back on on his numbers quite a bit um and the thing about it is the the Raiders' magic number with Derek Carr is not unreasonable, man. I was looking at the numbers here, more of this data. Their, their magic number during the Carr tenure is only 24 points, guys. They're 46 and 12. 46 and 12 when they just score 24 points. And this is this really pushes back on the defense argument, guys. And I've been at the forefront of the just get him a defense argument. This number stands regardless of the defense. So I don't, it, it, it does, it, this is the Paul Gunther era, the Ken Norton Jr., it, uh, you name it. So 46 and 12, when they just get to 24, uh, or yeah, 24 points, that's a 793 win percentage. That's 12th best in the entire league over that time. Yeah, you cannot put that on the defense. I'm sorry, you just can't do it. We, well, it's regardless. So even if with those defenses, if Carr got to 24 points, let's talk about with Gunther's defense well, or I'm anybody saying, else's though, defense, they first, win. For so long, it was Carr has no defense. Carr has no defense. He has no weapons. He has no, you know, no nothing. Bro, we have seen lesser quarterbacks with lesser talent score 24 points a game. Come on, man. What are we talking about here? It wasn't like it was like if you could have scored 32, you know, 29, we could have won all. No, 24 points, man. That's bad. Which, and what which I don't we have yet understand, to do this year. What's that? Which we have yet to do this season, 24 points. Yeah. Don't listen to Denver radio because they'll tell you on four or five different occasions that uh, the Raiders are uh, averaging 25 points a game on offense this year. I think they uh, are getting our defensive numbers mixed up. But, uh, but yeah, need, need I say more? I just want to go and – I don't I – don't, even care what happens. We we have to start to figure this out, man. If you don't figure it out and don't get this going, okay, man, three games in, I'm just tough, man. Okay, cool. Things are slow. Dude, we've, we've not, we're not seeing the progression that we need to see. I think there's way too much talent here and way too much veteran, you know, leadership to not see more. If you can't go be a division rival to try to save your season and to start turning this thing around. I mean, I don't even know what we're talking about at this point because we were supposedly built to go and try to contend and we can't get off the ground. Yeah, it's all coming down to this game. And, uh, you know, you got to get this one against the Broncos. It's, it seems simple. You score in the red zone, you keep Russ in the pocket, and you and you slow down Denver's run game, and you should get a win. But things just have not been that simple for the Las Vegas Raiders so far in 2022. Let's hope it, it becomes a lot more simplified on Sunday. Raspy, do you have time just for a couple quick questions before we get you out of here? Yeah, I just want to drop this real quick, man. Real quick. Dude, this donkey's offense is scoring 14.2, 14.3 points a game. As bad as it's been, man, do not let this team go and decide to finally get off for 30-some points on us and go to 0-4 because you you won't lose me completely, but I will be so pissed off, and it's just not even necessary, man. As bad as it's been, we have been within one score of winning each and every one of these games. Get it together, Nation, and go win a damn ball game, man. I mean, I don't care if it's 
push car in the no huddle. I don't care what it looks like. Do something, please. Yeah, you got to do something and get off the schneid this weekend. But um, just want to get a couple questions in before we drop our official predictions. Um, getting a little short on time here, so we'll we'll try to get through it real quick. Michael Lopez from Twitter wanted to ask you before we get out of here, Raspy, what would our record be right now if we kept Rich Basaccia? Oh, damn. Oh, man. You just, you, oh, my gosh, you're killing me, Michael. I think you guys know by now that I don't hear any of these until Hart drops them on me live on the show. Dude, I've had this conversation with just, like, other people and my even myself at times. I don't know, man. The one thing I liked about Masachi is that he just did – he let Carr do what he did best, and I think at the end there it was kind of like, Derek, this is your offense, man. Just go out there and run it however you want to run it, like, and just, you know, do your thing. And it seemed sped up and a little bit – and we were more on – let's be honest. We were more on time in those last four games of the season than we were the previous seven or eight, maybe ten. So, I, dude, there's a lot of hype, a lot of pressure. This year, I think, you know, it's crazy with Masashi this year. I think we'd be at least two and one. We might be three and oh. I can't believe I'm even saying that, but I don't know. It seemed like he kind of let Carr do his own thing. And uh, maybe that was to his own detriment, you know, as to why he didn't end up keeping the job. But I don't know. I, I liked what Rich did, man. We got to love that man. I mean, he got us, you know, to the playoffs for. You know, the second time in Carr's nine-year, you know, career, eight-year at that point. So, you got to show Versace some love. I'd say we'd be two and one, dude. Might even be three and zero. Oh. There was some magic work in there. After all that, great question, yeah, man. Great question. I love that. Lopez killing it on that one. Yeah, I say we'd be two and one. Um, we we would have finished out more games with the Bradley defense. Yes, I said it. Um. We wanted him back, and nobody else agreed with us, but whatever. Um, moving on, just for the sake of time, J.C. Kuhn, also from Twitter, wants to know, guys, why do the Raiders crumble when they're facing expectations every year? <laughs> Sorry, man, just gathering myself. These are the questions that I would ask somebody if I knew who to ask. So I just, I look, I look to the Lord. What's your guess? What's, what's your hypothesis? I mean, it just, I don't know, because it seems like every time we, we make a lot of excuses, man, it's always been some excuses as to why things didn't work. And you, even with Gruden, you had him try to come in and he did some things that even helped Carr grow. Um, a new quarterback, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I, I think... No, he wants to know why we crumble. Like, why don't we play up... Not what we need to do to fix it. Why oh, does this keep I, happening, I, Raider? Oh, sorry. My bad, my bad. Our quarterback. Yeah. Our quarterback. I know that's brutal, man, and a lot of people ain't going to like that, but, bro, it comes down to dubs and L's, man, and especially ones that are dictated off how many points he can go score. If if you were to tell Carr, like, hey, man, like, all you got to do is score 24 points and you win the game, like, 
eighty percent of the time, he'd still find a way to score, you know, nineteen. I'm sorry, man. I'm, the gloves are literally like slipping off at this point. I'm throwing like lackluster ones with the gloves half on. It's our quarterback. I'm sorry. Sorry, JC. My bad. But I'd say it's our quarterback, man. It seems like the more stuff that is fixed to try to help him, because it's all been built around him. Let's be honest, guys. We haven't been putting this money to our defense. Let's let's be real. Anybody wants to ask, we can talk about it. But Or wants to question that, we can talk about it. It's our quarterback, man. I just don't – I'm sorry, guys. Sucks to say. I, like – don't want to say it half the time myself. We will not win a we will not win a ring with Carr at the helm. I'm sorry, guys. Unless we go get the 85 Bears defense, all of a sudden it's not going to happen. And the thing is, is that we haven't even showed that we've wanted to try to do that. So everything else has to look so good. So JC Kuhn, quarterback man, two letters Q B. The yeah, I've got a slightly different exclamation points. Yeah, I've got a slightly different, and it's just there's, it's it's bad leadership from the top, from the top down. It's it's ownership, it's coaches. We hire the wrong coaches, and it's when you look at those red zone numbers. Yeah, you're going to be it's you know you're not going to live up to a lot of that when you're not able to score touchdowns. So, I think it's bad leadership from the top. They've had a rotation of bad coaches. They've they never seem to get the right play callers. You know, the defenses haven't been good. The the quarterback play has been up and down. It's it's a lot of things, but I think it all starts when you don't have the right people in place, the right decision makers in place. When you have a TV uh, GM from NFL Network, it, it when you have John Gruden making decisions, when you have Lloyd Christmas making decisions, it, it just – it's a it's hard to overcome that. Fuck, so I'm not going to call him Lloyd anymore, man. Well, I mean, I won't, yeah, but man, the rest of them are I, still – Hey, man, and, and I know you'll you'll probably echo this. Mark is trying, dude. He is doing more to step down and to let other leadership come in and to take care of their business. We we gave him love on this, and I'm still going to continue to. He didn't try to go do this on his own. He knew it was above him. So, Mark, uh, he's trying to at least change that. You know, he it's not his fault. He was stuck in the middle of it. You know what I mean? And then his dad died, and then he was probably going through a lot of a lot of stuff. I couldn't even imagine. I lost my dad. You lost your dad. You know what that's going through. We didn't have a billion-dollar organization. And then you go back to what's familiar, and he brings John in, thinking hopefully that he can help me fix it. I, I love John. We I know John. But he also realized after all the nonsense that it was time to like, hey, let's start putting guys in positions, you know, like getting Zeke's as the GM, you know, and starting to work down. So I think Mark is really trying. But I like I like your take on that, too, because it does boil down from the leadership. The bottom line, the man who's had the ball in his hands is not, it's not looking great in the dub to L column, man. So I know there's been a lot of stuff. You know, in between then, it's you know, it's nine years of stuff. But well, it's pre it predates Derek Carr too, though. So yeah, it, it's no, and I agree with that. That's what I'm saying. Now. That's why I think Mark's at least trying to change that. So I give Mark a lot of love on that. JC, yeah, it's just been twenty years. The conversation right there. Uh, guys, unfortunately, Nick and Tristan, um, we've run out of time. I wanted to get to your questions this week. We'll run those back. I think they'll still be relevant. Honestly, both of them will still be relevant after the game. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, 
run you guys forward one week um, to make sure that we, because uh, you guys had some really good questions and I just don't want to, to, to skip you guys all together, but just, you know, we have a prediction to make and it's just, we're kind of running over time anyway, but guys, great questions. And uh, again, we're going to bump those, those questions forward till next week. And um, so don't worry about that, but guys, keep them coming. Great questions every week. We really appreciate it, but we've got a prediction to get to before we get you out of here, guys. And uh, Raspy, just quickly, who, who wins? Do the Raiders get off the, off the schneid this week or is it 0 and 4? I ain't called us to lose yet, and I'm not calling it this week. But I am going to get a little more realistic as to uh, what we've been doing. We win the but we win the ball game 22-17. It's ugly. It's scratching and crawling type thing, and it may have to even be late. But we win the ball game 22-17. I think we're going to find a way to stick right around that 21-22 point barrier. I'm not going to think we're going to break off against this Denver defense, but I also don't expect our defense to let this Denver offense just break it off on us either. So 22-17, man, go get the damn dub. Raiders magic number under Derek Carr has been 24. They get to 24 on Sunday, and it proves true once again. Maybe we should start picking some Raiders to lose, the Raiders to lose some of these games because it right. just has not worked this year, but – I like the Raiders 24-21, last-second field goal. It's Every Raider game plays out the exact same way, guys, so I expect the same thing until they can start executing in the red zone. These games are going to continue to be close. They're a little bit better on Sunday, but not altogether perfect in the red zone. Their defense does just enough. 24-21, Raiders get to 1-3. and three. It's so funny you say that because I almost went 22-19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I, they're I, all they're, they're all in that range. So we don't be, get blown out. We don't blow anyone out. So yeah, and that's kind of the way it goes, man. But you know what? If there ever were a week to blow somebody out and to get somebody's attention, this would be the one to do it. So by all means, I mean, prove us wrong. Get the win this week and then blow out the Chiefs. That'd even send there a bigger statement. Oh, that would be even better. But you got to get this one or else it really doesn't matter what they do at Arrowhead. So um, you, you had anything else before we we'll let everybody go for the for the weekend here? Just uh, just one last note, man. Like we talked about it last week about it being super just simple. Our big time players got to make big time plays, man. It sounds dumb, but that's what we need. We're not seeing it from the big time guys that we invested a lot of money in, you know, outside of Max, you know, and even Max, we, Max, this is a week. We need you to go feast, man. If nobody else is going to do it, then you need to take it and take the head off this game. Go sack Wilson like three, four, five times, you know, but our big time players have to make big time plays. This is why you go and invest all this money. And these big time dudes is to make big time plays and to, game-winning type plays. So somebody has to step up. It has to be one of these guys. I mean, come on, man. There's there's some lackluster performances going on. That has to change, dude. If they, they held the, you know, we all heard it, they held the player-only meeting, you know, led by Mad Max and DC. And, you know, it sounds like guys are listening. Well, that all sounds great, man. Go put it on the field and show that you're going to go out there and you're going to freaking bust ass for your brother and make it happen and go get this team a win, dude. 
I mean, I don't take it so serious that it's end-all, be-all, but this is what you do. We root for you guys. We pull for you guys, man. We want to, like, have something good to talk about. Let's go get a damn dub. Nation, love you guys. Appreciate y'all. Sorry for some of my moments tonight. I'm just frazzled, man. 0-3 is just, it's sticking. It's just the kind of way I just, I don't like it, man. Just sick right now. So just want us to go win. I want us to be able to celebrate a donkey smash down come, you know, Monday. So y'all be good. Love you guys. Let heart take us out of here, man. Yeah, we, we got to get this one, guys. So there's there's really nothing left to say. You're 0-3 and your, your rival's coming into your building. It's a must-win scenario with all the expectations, all the salaries doled out in the offseason, the coaching hires, the GM hires, the front office hires. It was all built to – this is an all-in season, and so far the Raiders have been all out. So it's do or die. It's, it's kill or be killed. It's all – whatever cliche you want to put in there, it, it fits for this weekend. But – Guys, keep it with us. We'll be with you after the game uh, to break it down, what what worked, what didn't, why the Raiders won, why the Raiders hopefully didn't lose. But if the Raiders lost, we'll, we'll break that down as well. Captain of the week, walk the plank, all that good stuff. So keep it with us, and um, we'll, we'll carry you all the way through the regular season and see what happens, uh, if anything, beyond that. But for my co-host, Mr. Raspy Raider, this is your host, Raider Hart, leaving you guys for the weekend here, have a nice, safe weekend. Enjoy your time with your friends and family. Uh, also enjoy the game on Sunday. And if there is ever a time, guys, Raiders just win, baby. <laughs>